The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Okay, created me a clean heart, oh God. You played it so beautifully, it wasn't the normal course for me, so it takes a while, so thank you so much. Well, I invite your attention this morning to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14. Uh, if you're visiting with us, that's page 850 and 851 of the Blue Pew Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, you're more than welcome to take that with you as a, uh, just a gift from us to you. Uh, just a couple of house cleaning things while we are uh, uh, going, just a reminder, after service, we'll have our, our uh, baby shower for uh, John and Hannah, baby number four. There's plenty of cake and there's plenty of goodies. I know they want to send it all. They probably want some at home, but they probably want you to eat some too, so don't be shy. After service, we'll need just a few minutes just to set up some more, uh, but we appreciate the ladies and, and guys who've also helped set that up. And, and finally, at the end of service, before we go, many of you uh, know them, and it's only been a few months, six months actually, brother, uh, but Brother Nathaniel, Sister Elizabeth, uh, serving now in Tacoma, Nebraska. We sent them out uh, six months ago. Is it really? It's been that long, but that short at the same time. Hi, Benjamin. It's good to see you too, brother, and, uh, and the kids. And uh, we're going to pray over the King family as they're passing through from Branson after the kids had a camp down there this week, and we'll pray for them. And, and just uh, ask Nathaniel just to give a short, short pastor, preacher man, two minutes. Uh, I know how that is, and I'm just kidding. Uh, but, brother, we look forward to hearing just an update how things are going up in Nebraska as you're pastoring. Appreciate that. All right, well, you're there in Mark chapter 14, I trust. And uh, maybe this is how you feel this morning. Uh, maybe this is what you feel like on, on a day like this. Uh, I, I prayed for it to rain on Sunday morning just so we could get this illustration across, right? Well, uh, there is a retired preacher who was preaching, and there's a story of a man who experienced a rude awakening in church. He slept in church. Every time the sermon started, he dropped off like he always did. Uh, but only this time, a power outage. And we've had that in recent weeks at our church in the last month. Uh, left the auditorium one time in total darkness. And the pastor didn't use notes to preach. He just kept on preaching. That's what we do. That's what pastors just keep on doing, uh, to your chagrin. But somewhere towards the sermon end, the groggy church member woke up. And he rubbed his eyes, and he couldn't see a thing. And he heard the preacher. He could feel his wife. He could, he could feel his kids. But everything was pitch black. And in a state of panic, he said, Help me, honey, I'm blind. And all the people started laughing at his expense because the lights turned right back on at that same moment. And at that moment, a church member experienced revival at the altar of embarrassment, and a pastor experienced the, the joy of poetic justice that came every Sunday when he fell asleep. But that's how it goes sometimes. If you fall asleep in church, I don't usually wake you up, but today especially, you might just get woken up, all right? So take that for what it's worth. But in the Bible, aren't there many metaphors being used for Christians who fall asleep? Have you ever noticed that before? In the Bible, we, we, we see a scene like this spiritually often. We're, we're told that they're backslidden or they're, they're walking according to the flesh or they're asleep. Not dead as in asleep as they refer to, but they have life in God. They're saved. They're just asleep. They're spiritually out of it. They're spiritually dull. They're spiritually just not there at the moment. And Paul reminds us of this in Romans chapter 13, familiar passage for many of you. He says, and it'll be up on the screen too, and that knowing this time, that now it is time to wake up. 
For our salvation is nearer now than we, when we first believed. And so Paul said, the hour is time to wake up. For some of you, that needs to be right now physically. You need to wake up. But how much more for us spiritually? He's telling them they've become drowsy spiritually and they're becoming unresponsive. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, Awaken, sleeper, arise and get up. He's not talking to non-Christians. Paul isn't in Romans or Ephesians. He's talking to Christians. That there comes a time when you as a Christian can actually be asleep at the wheel spiritually, so to speak. It means you're spiritually groggy, you're weary, you're converted, but you're sluggish, you're listless, you're, and, and you're just kind of momentarily in a spiritual stupor. You're out of it. You're dull towards the Lord. You get the picture. But I'm sure every one of us all the time is always on fire for the Lord. We're always just so excited for the Lord that we're ready to jump in at the first, first time, right, all the time, right? Because that's how you feel all the time. And I don't think that's the truth at all. In fact, you might say that there are many Christians who are sleepwalking. They go through the routine of the Christian life. They're connected to the Lord. They're saved. They, they, they're not unsaved, but their heart for a season, for a time, is unresponsive to the things of God. And if you're a Christian, you've probably been there before. If you haven't been, then you will be. And this is where the disciples are. They're physically there. They're physically there, but spiritually they're somewhere else. It had been a long day. You remember the story. We've been at the Last Supper for the last few weeks, and they've, they've talked through several things. And, and they're spiritually asleep, but they're lacking spiritual energy because they're physically tired. They're fatigued, and they're ready to, they should be pressing on, but they're going to fall asleep in this very familiar passage. And so, friends, I want to ask ourselves this morning, have we examined our lives to see if we are spiritually asleep? Are we just going through the motions as individuals and as a church this morning? Or are we moving forward in this way? The big idea today, and, and if you're visiting, this is just the thesis, the rifle shot summary of the sermon itself, where we'll be working off of from the text. We preach verse by verse. But every Christian and every church is either headed for reformation and revival, or they're headed for retreat and ruin. There is no middle ground. And isn't that true in your life as well? Wouldn't it be nice to say that when you had a commitment at, uh, to exercise, for instance, that you said, you know, I'm on fire one day a week and I can eat whatever I want the rest of the week. Wouldn't that be grand? Or I love my wife one day a week. The other six days, I'm not so sure, so I'm just going to make it up as I go along. Uh, that wouldn't work out too well either. Pick your poison. But, or you go to work and say, you know, I'm, just, I'm supposed to work six days a week, but I'm just going to work one day a week and I'm going to go home. Boss, are you okay with that? Does that work for you? Yeah, that, that's called a pink slip, and that's where you get fired usually. Don't try that at home, okay? Especially you teachers headed back to school or administrators. You're either going with Christ or you're not, but it's possible you're spiritually asleep. And so, friend, this morning, this is what the Lord needs to do with us here. We need a wake-up call from the Lord. This is what a revival is. It's called an awaking where drowsy saints arise and their focus becomes clear on the things of God unlike any other time. This is what we need. Not a revival where we schedule it out and we, we will ourselves to get fired up for Jesus, but a revival that comes from God himself. Does that make sense? He has something to say about this today because Peter, James, and John are going to get it today. They're going to fall asleep and they are going to know the Lord, but they are going to hear it from Jesus three different times. So this morning, I wanted you to see two different responses from this passage about revival, retreat, ruin, and reformation. And you're going to see it this way. You're going to see the disciples, the regretful disciples. You're going to see them very regretful. 
Because at the time when they should have been engaged, they were not engaged. And then, and, I, and I'll be honest, as I put this up, we're going to see the right response to Jesus. Well, Darren, wasn't Jesus sinless? Couldn't he have just done it anyway? Yeah, he could. But the Bible tells us to look to him as the author and perfecter of our faith, even sinless people as us, sinful people as us, because he is the perfection. So this morning, in this passage, I want you to think of yourself. And church, I want to think across the board. Are we spiritually awake? I want to say as pastor that we have seen, and, and praise God for foundations laid in years past, that this church's spiritual growth has grown so much in the time that we have been blessed to serve here. Not because of us, not because of anything that, except God. But friends, even in that growth, and for many of you that has been salvation, it's been baptism, but has our church stagnated in this? I don't know. Have you stagnated? Are you okay? Are you comfortable through the routine? If we preached the sermon at the very first and did the offering at the last, would that just throw you for a loop? Does that bug you more than what is going on spiritually in your life? And these things may seem so simple, but for the disciples it seems simple too, yet they fell asleep as well. Will you join me in standing as we read our scripture today from Mark chapter 14? We're going to back up actually for context uh, as we broke this up into two weeks, but Mark chapter 14, we'll start in verse 32, the lesson will be 37 through 42. So you'll see this as we start in verse 32. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said, Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, remember that's the inner circle, minus Andrew at this point, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And Jesus said to them, verse 34, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death, but remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray, verse 38, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Verse 41, and Jesus came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Arise, arise, let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand. Friends, you may be okay spiritually right now. Some of you are rocking it out by God's grace through the power of the Spirit with, G with, with, with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And praise God for that. But if we're honest here this morning, the majority of us may be just simply going through the motions of church because that's what you're supposed to do. I pray this morning God takes those paddles, spiritually speaking, and shocks life back into us. Not because of any emotional response, although that could come, but because his grace tells us to live in such a way. May we remember the cross this morning. Let's pray this morning as we go before our Lord. Father, as we preach a very familiar passage on a very uh, familiar topic, Lord, it's not my words, it's your words. It's not my uh, strategies, Lord, it's your spirit moving. May you be glorified. Father, shock us into life this morning, especially those without Christ, if there be any among us who don't know Jesus. Let the gospel be clear. May this be the day of salvation. But for those of us who know Christ, Lord, let us grow closer to you. Father, let us live more heartily open to you. Let us live more repentantly before you. Father, not to win points with people, not to win points with you, 
but just simply to say thank you for all you've done for us. We praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Guys, you may be seated. Thanks so much. So I drove Craig uh, 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 nuts this week because I have all R's for my points. So uh, we, we, we kind of joke, this is the pirate sermon, so we got the R's this morning. So you can, you can go with that. But the first thing I want you to see, I want to look at the three different examples, the regretful response of the disciples. And we'll be jumping around here, but start in verse 37, if you will. I want you to see how they were resting and not ready. Verse 37. And uh, you notice that Jesus had been praying. And you notice that he told them to go and watch. And in verse 37, he came and found them sleeping. Now, I don't know about you, and, and I'm going to pick on him because they're out on vacation this week, but our deacon Steve is the guy I thought of immediately with this. If you know Steve Braden, you know he works very hard at everything he does. But the moment he sets down is the moment that snoring starts because that's what he does. He works so he can sleep anywhere. I've seen this guy sleep in my office. I've seen him lay on the pews. I've seen him in deacon meeting doing this thing. You know, he just, that's what he does because he works hard. And maybe you're like that too. So humanly speaking, there's some empathy, some sympathy even for these disciples. He had been separated, Jesus had been, for probably close to an hour. He went to the garden and he left the, the first eight of the disciples. Remember, Judas is off betraying him, so there's 11 left. He left the first aid at the front gate, most likely, of the garden, and the other three were brought closer. And he's been praying over and over, not my will, but your will be done. And in his humanity and submission to the Father's divine will and his own divine will, he has to go before him. But he found them sleeping. This is just past midnight. Seriously, how many of y'all stay up past midnight? Anybody? Wow, we have an early rise congregation. That's actually really interesting. We have like two or three people. Jim, you work past midnight. That might count, so it works. But they're, they're, they're at their capacity. They're done. They're tired. They just want to go to sleep. They're sitting down. You know that feeling, don't you? You've been busy all day. Hey, honey, let's watch a movie. And two hours in the movie, you wake up at the credits thinking, what in the world just happened? You fell asleep. You get where they're at. But let me challenge you with this. They have just heard the greatest teaching from the greatest man, the greatest God who's ever lived, and sometimes it calls for a heroic effort to get things done. They should have been awake, but they fell asleep. It gives testimony, though, to what a driver the Lord Jesus is. I mean, think about this. Jesus has been driving this ministry. He goes from one spot to the next, to the next, to the next. Mark uses that word immediately all the time. But even these men's men, these fishermen, these big guys, could not keep up with the pace of Jesus Christ. And when he tells them to remain awake and not fall asleep, he keeps going before the Father. And they should have denied themselves. They should have got up and paced a bit. They should have done their Richard Simmons, sweat into the old, whatever you got, do it and make it work. But it's more reflective, and we need to dig deeper than this. It's more reflective of where they are spiritually. If they had been focused here, they would have stayed up the entire night for what was needed. The physical sleep is reflective of their spiritual drowsiness. It's not a good picture or best light. It tells it like it is. And Andy will put this up, but I just want to apply this right away. We need to stay alert. We know less than we think. We forget more than we realize. And the lies of the world are more attractive than we can ever imagine. How easy it is. When we ought to be awake and spiritually walk with the Lord, we often yield to our own sinful desires. I don't have to tell you that. 
maybe for you, and I'm not being facetious, maybe for you that extra that extra donut at the at the the workbench or in the work break room is is the temptation for you, because you've surrendered some eating things to the Lord, and man, they left that cream filled donut up there with the white icing on it, the long long john thing, and uh, you just you just gotta someone's gotta clean up, right? So you just you, you go to town. For some of you, it's worry. For some of you, you know if you sit down and you just start thinking about something, you're going to start thinking about, well, what if, 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 what if. Fill in the blank what it is. We can identify with these disciples. Friends, but their prayer should have been, Lord, keep me awake. They are physically tired. We don't fault them for that, but there's a time and a place where we need to realize that we are unable to do it ourselves. Friends, when temptation comes knocking at your door, the last thing you want to remember is that, oh man, I shouldn't be in the spot. For some of you, this means that you keep a scripture card close to you. You keep a scripture card close to you to remind you of the promises of God. For some of you, it's you keep a, a phone next to you so you, when you get on the computer, you don't do certain things. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. But here it is, stay alert. Remember what First Peter says, the devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But God tells us the promise, 1 Peter 5, 7, before that, that we should cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. So, friends, remember this. They are resting, but they are not, they are not supposed to be here. They are resting, and they are going to be regretful. It's almost like it spells over them. And, friend, you can be so tired serving Tower View Baptist Church that you miss the fact that God is simply trying to work in your life. You can be so busy be here that you are not spiritually engaged, and we'll get to that more in a minute. So, first off, they are, they are resting and not ready, and we'll pick it up in the end of verse 37 into 38. But now they're going to get rebuked. But instead of rebounding, they're not rebounding. They're rebuked and not rebounding. Look what Jesus says in verse 38. He calls Peter that name that no one likes to be called. It's like when your mama used to tell you, you know, my name is Darren Christopher, and, and when I heard Darren Christopher Smith, at least in my young days, that meant what? You perked up quickly, right? And here it is, verse 37. And he says to Peter, he goes to him, and he says, Peter, and he calls him that name of Simon. Simon, are you asleep? Simon is a rebuke, not a compliment. It represents his old manner of life. Can a believer go back to his old ways? Yes, he can. Can a Christian go back to things that they were saved out from? Yes, they can. And he asks him, are you asleep? He's not trying to get information. He's basically saying, what in the world are you doing? Jesus knows all. He lays into him to say he's acting like the other disciples. Peter's supposed to be the leader. Peter, you fell asleep, man. Could you not keep watch for one hour? It shows that Jesus has been praying at least one hour solid. You remember last week we talked about briefly the, the, the blood that came from him, not to be gross or over-exaggerate, over but there's a condition where he's praying so much that blood was coming like the sweats, uh, like the drops of sweat. And, and Peter should have been on red alert. And Jesus gives him two commands. Look at verse 38. He says, this is how you're supposed to do it. He says, Peter, you're supposed to keep watch. Verse 38 Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watching with discernment. Because, Peter, do you remember what I told you just a little while ago? Satan has asked to shift you or sift you like wheat. Be ready. And he's going he's gonna to try and get you from crisis to crisis and not trust in me. And then he says to keep praying. For God's help, he can't do this on his own. He needs help. 
And in our weakness, God's power is made strong. And Peter is reminded, as we should be reminded, that this is exactly how we fight temptation. This is exactly it. Be warned. This is all of us today. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How often have you said, God, I want to do this for you. God, I want to I read more scripture for you. God, I want to share the gospel with that person. God, I want to fill whatever it is you called me to do. But Lord, I just don't feel like I can do it. God, I want to serve in the nursery and change those diapers. But Lord, boy, that smell gets me every single time. Whatever it is. And what he's saying here in verse 38, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In our spirit, there's a desire. We're born again. There's a new outlook to honor God, but the flesh still fights against us. Isn't this Romans 7, if you know that truth? You seminary students in here, you can debate whether Paul was saved or not saved in Romans 7, but the fact of the matter remains. In Romans 7, 18, Paul says, nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. I'm looking forward to heaven for many reasons. First off, our Savior is high and lifted up. Amen? But second off, there will be no more sin. There will be no more sin. There will be no more backbiting. There will be no more fighting. There will be no more gossip. There will be no more, there's just no more sin, man. It's gone. All that stuff we're dealing with now is gone. The Spirit is going to be willing all the time, and the flesh won't even be there in heaven. And that's why, and Andy will put this up, God's care to you comes in many forms, guys. It comes to you in many, many forms. And rebuke is God telling you enough to help you to see yourself as you are. When God brings the smack, the Holy Spirit smackdown of conviction in your heart and in your life, praise God for every single time that happens. It's kind of like that old story of John Wesley I've shared a few times here. John Wesley, the uh, old Methodist preacher, was riding along in the country one day. You may remember this. And he's riding along, you know, do, 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 do. He said, Lord, I don't feel like I'm a Christian anymore. No one has persecuted me. No one said a bad thing about me. Lord, am I still saved? And out of nowhere, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the WWE uh, effect, but uh, out of nowhere, a big something came, and it knocked John Wesley off his horse. And he started bleeding from his head. And you know what he said? He didn't say, ow. He said, Lord, thank you for confirming I'm still your servant because people still hate me for your name. Sometimes that's what it is. Guys, God brings conviction in your life to remind you that you cannot watch, you cannot pray in your own strength, that you need to be aware of the battle going on. It's ever before you, but also that sometimes when you sin, it's a reminder that you're still His. If you're a person and God lets you run wild in your sin and He never brings you back, that is the greatest danger that you could ever have, spiritually speaking. God has put you, if you will, like on a leash. And I'm I don't have a dog, we're not going to get a dog, and that's not, that's not going to ever happen at our house, but if we got one, we're getting one of those retractable, uh, uh, you know, leashes, where it like goes out to a certain extent, and like a fishing pole, you kind of got to reel them back in a little bit and do that sort of thing, and if you're a Christian, that's what it is. God has put, so to speak, a collar on you, and he will let you go so far, uh, but to not disdain, not to bring uh, dishonor to his name, he pulls you back in and evidence of grace by God's grace. Watch and pray. These regretful disciples, they were rebuked, but they did not rebound. They were rebuked, and they did not rebound. Can I say this too? Do you have friends who love you in your life? Do you have friends who will also privately and lovingly rebuke you for not walking according to Christian values and Christian things and belief? 
If not, you need to find some because they are the greatest treasure that God has put in your life. I thank God for all the times in my life where I've walked astray, and that's why being plugged in is so important day after day. All right, number three. So the regretful disciples are resting and not ready. They're rebuked and not rebounding, and now they're reeling and they're not reengaging. Look at verse 40, and we're going to skip over verse 39 for now. You see this recurring failure. Verse 40, and, and it says, And again, Jesus came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. Don't you love the honesty of Mark? Are your eyes heavy right now? They probably are. The AC's on, but your eyes might be heavy. Again, he said, they were sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. What do you do? What do you do when you've already been rebuked two times and you can get caught again? How many excuses do you have? And again, he found them sleeping. They felt the need. They thought they could do this thing on autopilot. They thought they could do it over and over. If they had prayed, I fully believe God would have given them the strength to get through supernaturally. Their eyes were heavy. Friends, right out of the gate, and Andy will throw this up there, we will never be strong enough to defeat sin on our own, and we'll never be so weak that we're beyond God's restorative power. And praise God for that. Because, church, we want this place to be a place where sin is not safe, but sinners are. Do you see that difference? We want to be a place where people can walk in here with all the junk that they have in their lives and feel okay, not because we're affirming them in their sin, not because we say, whoa, you sinned again, whoa, 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 good for you. We want them to be a place where it's okay as they walk under God's discipline to say, you know what, I messed up, I, I sinned against the Lord and against you and against this church, would you help me out? And guys, I'll be honest, that takes a whole culture shift, and I praise God for fruit, we're headed that way, I've seen that in so many lives here at this church. But they had better than just knowing Christ. They had to be close to Christ. And our need for Christ never changes, folks. It never changes. And what you need to remember is that they were truly weak and they needed the Lord. They didn't know what to say. And Christian, there may be times in your spiritual life where you go before the Lord and you're just, you're, you're speechless. God, here I am again. <laughs> I did the same sin again. Lord, here I am. And you may beat yourself up, and rightfully so to some degree, spiritually speaking, but at the end of the day, God's grace is greater than your sin. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, and he upholds you by his righteous hand, and that's what you need to know this morning. Christian, if you've really messed it up this week, have you gone to him? Have you sought his forgiveness? Have you prayed to him? Have you gone back to him? I pray that you have. All right, let's go to the second one. We see the regretful disciples. And now I want you to see our Savior in action, the right response, Jesus, as we turn back to verse 39. So you know Jesus has been praying. We talked about this last week. Jesus has been praying over and over. So in this midst of stuff, he's been praying the same thing, most likely over and over. The Greek alludes itself to say he's praying the same thing over and over and over. I remember several years ago going to a church off of uh, Truce down by uh, uh, Rockhurst, uh, down and uh, the the Hare Krishnas, you know the Hare Krishnas, Hare 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 Krishna. Uh, I think John Lennon was a Hare Krishna at a time. I don't know. Tina's neither confirming my music expert here is neither confirming or denying, so we'll have to research that. It's yeah, it's too too secular stuff. But the Hare Krishnas, the guys who cite Hare 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 Krishna Hare, you know, do that thing and they work themselves up in a, in, a, in a dervish almost. I remember going down to a church, a Presbyterian church that they bought to make their temple, and they invite you to a free vegan meal, one of the best meals I've ever had, great food. 
But we watched them. We tried to engage with them when I was in college, and we watched them for about 15 minutes, just, Hare, 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 Krishna, Hare, 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 Krishna. be honest with you, it reminded me of Indiana Jones, the second one, where they're in the, uh, 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 the Temple of Doom, I think it is. You know that one? Where they're all working themselves up. You haven't seen it. Uh, uh, it it's there. Yeah, it's, it's out there. But friends, this is not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not praying some, some energy gathering, cross-fitting, you know, muscular building thing. He's pleading for, for God the Father. This is not a Hail Mary. This isn't, this isn't saying the same prayer every day. He's not repeating the Lord's Prayer, you know, at ad nauseum. He's just praying, Father, if it's thy will, take this cup away. He's requesting over and over for an hour. And I thought to myself as I was preparing for this, how often have I prayed for the same thing for one hour? And I couldn't count on my fingers the number of times that's happened. I've prayed different things. I get distracted, take a break, come back. He's praying over and over. That's amazing to me. And do you know right now that your Savior is doing that same thing in your life? He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's pleading for you. Romans 8, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 3 tells us this stuff. What a Savior we have. The right response. Look at this again. Verse 39. Look at what he says. He says, and again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. We know he's praying the same thing. So, pastor, is it wrong to pray the same thing over and over and over and over again? Well, let me ask you this. Is it wrong to come to church over and over and over and over again? No. Is it wrong to read your Bible over and over and over and over again? I would hope not. So what is it? The difference is what is happening. His spirit is engaged. The right response is there. He's doing it according to God's will, not according to the flesh. And if you are going to engage in what a Christian is supposed to do, there's going to be times where you're going to be dull, but you need to pray, Lord, give me the right response. Father, if I'm praying about the same thing for an hour, make sure I'm engaged with you and not just the words or the prayer list or the shopping list I have for people to pray over and pray for. And those are good things in their own right. So you see him doing this. And he, we need to keep knocking at the throne of God, guys, and that's what he's doing here. We need to keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking because the more we do, Jesus said in Matthew 7, did he not? That, and it will be, ask and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray at all times. Luke 18, 1, Jesus taught them a parable that they ought to pray and never give up. As a human, he had to pray to his father to reconcile what was happening in his divinity. But in his divinity, he knew this was the only path he could take. Jesus was not faltering. He was trusting. And there is a difference. Friend, we must learn to push the limits of prayer. And Andy will put this up. We must learn to push the limits of prayer. We must not faint. We must not, apart uh, from prayer, we can do nothing. You want to see revival in this church? Pray for it. You want to see revival in your soul? act for it. You want to see a reformation happen in our culture? Take it before God. Do it over and over and over and over again. But we're Americans. We're one and dones, right? We're from Kansas City. We believe in one and dones, royals, chiefs, all the like. Sporting KC. Keep praying. You have something in your life that you're struggling with, keep praying. You have someone in your life that you're struggling over, keep praying for them. You have something that you have asked God for for years. You may lapse for a time, but you keep on praying for it until God shuts that door, so to speak. He says no, or he says yes, or he tells you like the psalmist to wait. You keep praying. Especially keep that in mind as you pray for people who don't know Jesus. Be patient with them as God has been patient with you. So he's requesting and he's not relinquishing 
And lastly, I want you to see this as we get ready to wrap this up. He, he goes on in verse 41 and 42. He's rallying, and he's not retreating. Look back at your Bible. See what the Word says? Because it's in prayer where the battles are won, and that is what Jesus shows us. And finally, he came to them a third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's not enough. The hour has come. Friends, we, we see this so clearly. He went back to them, but they fell asleep again. You ever done that before? I mean, come on, someone's talking to you, and, 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 or you're talking to them, and you can feel your eyes going, ah, and you're smiling, uh-huh, uh-huh, and you know you're sleeping. Do that too often, but you, know, you understand what we're talking about. They fell asleep again. And Mark's gospel fast-forwards uh, some other parts, the others don't. But he asked them a question they can't answer. Are you sleeping and resting? They, they're awakened by Jesus, and they finally get him. And he tells them, it's enough. In other words, enough of this. Stop it. You've been given three chances, and you're done. Most parenting books wouldn't have gone that far, but praise God, he's patient. He's ready to step forward and move forward. For Jesus, the struggle is over. The victory's been won. He knows it's been paid for. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows that the victory is his. He embraces the will of God. And, and this is one reason we will win in the will of God, guys, because we never lose. Boy, I love that. The Chiefs had a great game last night, but they're going to lose it sometime this season, right? It's preseason, by the way. It doesn't really matter anyway. But he says, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed. And too often, we want someone else to pull us forward in the will of God when we forget it's God's grace that pulls us forward. And he tells them, get up. Did you notice that? Get up. They haven't even done that yet. God, these guys are dead, man. They're just, they're just not moving. They're just there. Get up. He has to tell them to get up. They're headed for failure. Let's get going. My betrayer is at hand. Friends, this is the biblical story. This is it. We were created to do the Father's will, and Andy will put this up, but, but didn't. Jesus came and did it perfectly on our behalf. That's what the will of God is. And he's going to tell them, he's going to show them this. He struggled, Jesus had in prayer, but now it's go time. Let's get this done. Let's go. Disciples, I can't deal with you right now. I've got another guy coming. And next week we're going to look at that. Judas the betrayer coming and knocking on his door. But I want you to remember that we have failed God's will. If you're not a Christian here today, this all sounds probably pretty funny. We're talking about a guy 2,000 years ago who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and some guys fell asleep and you're picking on those guys for falling. That's just weird, man. But at the end of the day, we have all failed God's will, have we not? There's none good. There's no not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the praise God that Jesus did not fall short of the glory of God. He perfectly fulfilled everything. And let me just take an aside to repeat this. An angel could never have taken Jesus' place for us. He's created. You and I could never take that place. Romans talks about that. Paul says, even a righteous man may dare die for another righteous man. But, but Christ had to be the only perfect sacrifice. You imagine what these disciples were thinking. Have you ever been jolted out of your sleep? I did last night. Seth came knocking at the door at like uh, 1 a.m. I don't know what he said, man, but he's just like, no, 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 daddy, 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 daddy. Uh, Scarlet sleeps with her bed. It's, it, it, you just got to come to her house and take a picture sometimes. Her, her, her bed's in the middle of the floor, so you have to like jump over her to get out of the room to knock on the door, and then everybody's up, and that's just life at our house at 1 a.m. this morning. And, but it is what it is. But when you get jolted, you wake up. And these disciples were going to get jolted. They're going to be so jolted that Peter is going to cut off the ear of Malchus, the high servant's priest, next week. They're going to be so jolted that they're going to do everything physically to get 
Jesus back, or try to at least. They're going to run away. They're going to do whatever they have to do, but spiritually they're still not engaged. Christian, be very careful. Be very careful that you don't let your serving here at Tower View Baptist Church take place of your spiritual vitality before the Lord who's over Tower View Baptist Church. We have so many of you serve so faithfully and so selflessly here. Can I just encourage you to take a temperature check of your faith today? Am I spiritually awake or am I just doing it because no one else can do it and I'm really good at it and and people need me to serve here and I want to serve here, but have you seriously considered where you are with the Lord? Not talking about, Christian, whether you're saved. If you're saved, we'll know that. That's part of why membership's so important here because we get to look at that as pastors before the Lord. But have you checked your spiritual pulse lately? Has your busyness overrun your relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, Darren, but I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. I've got to give. I've got to serve. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. There's a committee meeting here. There's to do this. Yeah, we're busier than we should be, admittedly. But friends, I'd rather you be more simplified in your spiritual life where you are seeking God's will for you wherever you are than to be so busy that we don't even know where in God's will you are. That's a huge difference. We love you so much. Would you pray for our church this week that we have revival and reformation in our church, not ruin and whatever else we may go? Let's pray as we close out today. Thank you, guys. Father, as we come before you, Looking at this short, very straightforward passage, we recognize our need for the Savior. We recognize our need for the ever-changing uh, grace, for our, our, the, the grace that never changes, I should say, Lord, but us who do change in our lives. Father, help us, if we are spiritually asleep, to come back to you just to pray that simple prayer. 